power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. All right, as I begin the message, I wanted you to just spend a brief moment with the person next to you. I'd like for you to share maybe just something, maybe that was kind of a low point this week. It is purposeful. I don't want to just bring the energy down. I, it's just, it is purposeful. If there's something that maybe was a little discouraging or maybe tough this week, maybe you could just share with the person next to you. All right? Go ahead. Okay. I'm not sure what you shared. Okay? I'm not sure. But I have some truth for you this morning. And it's directly from our passage, which is Paul telling the church of Philippi that we are all citizens of heaven. And we await our Savior who will come back one day. And he's going to take us home where we don't have to worry about the discouragements of this world, the physical pains that we suffer the sin and the brokenness that we encounter each and every day that maybe alludes to something that you shared this morning, that we have a home prepared for us, right? John 14, 3, Jesus left to prepare a home for us that one day we will be able to partake in. Amen? You're not excited. You're not excited. I have to convince you, I guess. The creator of this universe... And you've been to the Caribbean? You've seen the ocean waters in the Caribbean? Beautiful. And you've been to Greece? Picturesque. The creator of this whole universe left to prepare a place for each and every one of us. And we are citizens of heaven, a place that we don't deserve because our Savior came upon this earth, took on the form of man, died in our place to take our sin, and now gives us entrance if just by faith in him alone, we could get entrance into a place that we don't deserve, a place that's better than any other place you have visited on this earth. Are you not excited? Thank you. I mean, I get fired up. And because this is Paul's point as he begins this chapter, or as he closes the thought in chapter 3, he's saying, we are citizens of heaven. Turn to the person next to you. Say, hey, brother, sister, you're a citizen of heaven. You mind doing that? This is our present reality. This is our identity. This is what Pastor Vance Havner he was a pastor in the 1900s. I love this quote because he really puts this perspective of what our present identity is. He says this, if you are a Christian, you are not a citizen of this world trying to get to heaven. You already, what? You are presently are a citizen of heaven. You are just making your way through this world. You need to understand this truth. Because when you understand this truth, everything Paul has been talking about up to this point makes clear sense. Because he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If you are a citizen of heaven, that makes complete sense, doesn't it? Last week, we talked about how everything in this world that we can gain, praiseworthy stuff, is like rubbish compared to knowing Christ. That makes complete sense when you are a Citizen of heaven. 
If you're a citizen of this earth, that makes no sense. Everything he's been talking about has led us to this point where he's saying, my life is the way that it is because I am headed to home and home is what I live for. Uh, and you guys watch HGTV? And you guys love it? Don't be shy. Anyone? Okay, okay. If you could change something in your house, like if I told you money was no issue, you could just daydream, just change something. Like today, by the way, I wish I could just change my whole garage because my wife is stuck at home because my garage broke this morning. So if you don't see her, she's stuck. And so right before I gave my first my first sermon and first service, I got a call from my wife. Garage door won't open. So I wish I could fix that. But anyways, that's just me, okay? How about for you? If I said, hey, you can change anything, what would you change? I think about it, okay? I want you to think about it. Dream about a smile, okay? Now, you know what you never do? You never go to a hotel room and dream those same dreams. You never go into a hotel thinking, you know what? This wall needs to come down. I like open concept. You know what? This wallpaper needs to come down. I want a blue, nice shade of maybe gray, you know, an accent wall. You never go thinking about, I'm going to buy a picture frame because this picture frame just looks funny. Why? Because these are temporary dwellings. Now, you try to make the best of it. You don't want it to be nasty, right? You want it to be clean, but you are not overly consumed about temporary residences. In the same way, what Paul is saying is, you need to get this truth, that we do not live for this world, and so do not get overly consumed and buy into the fact that you need to care so much about your temporary residence now. That's why he lives the way he does. It really echoes Matthew 6, 19 through 21, and you guys probably know this if you've grown up in the church, and it says this, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Because we are citizens of heaven, we are pursuing eternity. And that's what Paul wants to kind of lay down for us because to understand Philippians correctly, you need to understand that we are made for something else. And our citizenship dictates and transforms everything about our life. For example, if you're in Thailand, you can never make fun of the king or even a poster or a resemblance of the king. Anyone been to Thailand? Because you can go to jail for that. Did you know that? Actually, there was a guy who got 35 years in prison for making fun of the king on Facebook. Recently, this week, you can Google it. Because your citizenship dictates everything, transforms everything about who you are and what you care about. For example, I have a video about North Korea. We've been talking a lot about it. And this is what happened a couple days ago for their day, okay? So do you mind shooting that up, Scott? This is what their life looks like because your citizenship dictates everything. Go ahead. Thank you. 
Now, I want you to, it, it's scary. It's sad. But I want to tell you something. That's a misguided commitment, but it's the right level of commitment. I want you to hear me correctly. If these North Korean kids and these families can be that committed to a lie, to something that's so broken, we as Christians who are citizens of heaven should be that passionate and committed to the cause of eternal things. We should be so much, I don't know how that would look, but I mean, I mean, maybe we have festivals. I don't know. We have uh, Heaven Day. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it looks like, but we should be that committed. Yes? That's what Paul is arguing here. Now, the interesting and I think very profound and, and very wise thing that Paul lightens us on Verse 17, 18, and 19 is knowing that we're citizens of heaven, and that's what God calls us to. There is one thing that we need to be very weary of. He is admonishing us that we need to be very careful of, which is having the right people around us. That will either help you stay on the course to be eternally minded, or it will Get you sidetracked and make you focus on earthly things. So let's take a look. Verse 17, it says this. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. See, Paul is trying to bring up something very profoundly important in the Christian walk, which is the people around you will influence you. They will impact you. The person that you choose to follow and imitate, those that you keep your eyes on, if they are of the world, you're going to start to be influenced by that. And we've all experienced this in our lives, right? Like, I remember when I was growing up, uh, can you shoot up that baggy pants? This is what we wore, okay, when I was in high school. They were beyond baggy, anchor blue, about 48, you know, and this was what was popular. If you wore this today, people would look at you like, what are you doing? But back then, because everyone else was doing it, you were influenced by that, and you just wear it. Now it's like completely opposite, right? It has to be so skin tight that you could barely breathe to put it on. Why the change? Well, it's just culture. Now you're just influenced by that. So now our pants get tighter and tighter. It changes with everything around us. I spent nine months in Boston, and for some reason, six months in, I started using words like wicked. And I was like, why, why did I just say that clam chowder was wicked good? I, I don't. Because you just start getting influenced. We were in Mississippi, 
and I think Karen was part of the team, I was preaching to the kids, and all of a sudden they were all making fun of me and laughing in the back because I started talking like a southern person with a southern drawl during my sermon. And in my mind, I had no idea I was doing it. So I was like, y'all, you know, it's good to see. And, then, and then they're all busting up, but I finished my message. They're like, Pastor John, why are you talking like that? And I was like, talking like what, right? And I was like, <laughs> I just weird, like, but that happens in our lives. And I'm going to tell you right now, spiritually, this happens all the time. It does. The Proverbs 13, 20, this is filled with wisdom, right? It tells us this. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. The companion of fools will suffer harm. And this is what Paul is trying to get the people to understand. Church of Philippi, you need to know. You get influence. So you need to what? Number one, you need to have godly examples. Because that's what citizens of heaven do. In verse 17, he says, brothers, join in imitating me. By the way, he has said this many, many times, all right? So if you look at 1 Corinthians 4, 16, and 11, 1, do you mind shooting that up? There's a picture of imitators. Okay. It's, it's a picture. It's a white picture. No. Um, <laughs> it's all right. <clears throat> Just take my, oh, there you go. All right, take my word for it, but... Um, he constantly, this is something that he, Paul has done, which is, he's saying, imitate me, okay? Now, at first glance, this should rub you the wrong way. Who does Paul think he is? Imitate me. Now, we shouldn't take it that way, because that's not what he's trying to get at. If you've read the totality of Scripture, it's clear that Paul thinks of him as the worst of sinners, right? 1 Timothy 1.15. He says, I am the foremost of all sinners. So it's not that he thinks he's perfect. He's far from it. Actually, what clues us in is verse 12 through 14 of the passage that we've been reading. So right before the section that we read, he says this, Not that I have already attained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal of the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What is he saying? I haven't attained it. I'm imperfect. But you know what I'm doing? I'm striving towards the goal. So we need to be people that strive and keep our eyes, imitate people. There's no perfect Christians. But there are people that are striving after God and for eternal things. Those are the people that we need to keep our eyes on and imitate. Okay? So when he's saying, imitate me, what he's saying is, look, and I say this, you're going to hear me say this a hundred times if you stay at our church. The Christian life is not about perfection. You will never reach it. But it's about right direction. Okay? Meaning you are trying to just, by the grace of God, head in the direction that God desires. And you need to surround yourself with people and imitate those that are walking in that way. The second thing he says, he warns against keeping your eyes and being imitators of those that are earthly minded. In verse 18, he says, for many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears. Walk, that's a key word. That's the problem. Their conduct, their life conduct, the way they live their life, their walk. They walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. 
Their God is their belly, meaning their appetite. That's all. It's just unrestrained, just sin, indulging in whatever they want in life. And they glory in their shame. Meaning even though their conduct is shameful, they have no shame. Rather, they boast in it. With their minds set on earthly things. We need to be careful that we do not allow people that are, have this mindset to be too close to us. Okay? And this has been a warning throughout Scripture. If you look at Psalm 1.1, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the sway of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Right? 2 Corinthians 6.14, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Now, you might be thinking, so am I not supposed to have non-Christian friends? No, it's not anything about that. It's about the most intimate relationships that that term yoked. Uh, you know, I've done this before, but I think it's, it's, it's useful. Um, Chris, Hags, do you mind coming up? Daniel, why don't you come up? I'm going to illustrate this, okay? This idea of what it means to be a person that's in the world but not of the world. To be careful that we have maybe Christian friends or non-Christian friends that we're evangelizing to, but we're not too intimately linked with them, okay? So this idea of yoke is actually from Deuteronomy, okay? It's from Deuteronomy 22.10. So this is the passage. You shall not plow with an ox and a donkey together. So I'm going to just illustrate this. The reason why this is important, the idea of yoke is to be very intimately connected together. And if you've been at Irvine for a while, you've seen this, right? So it's to be connected together, and they would plow with two animals back to back, or right, side by side, right? And so they were going to plow together. And together, they are supposed to work even harder than one, two people separately. But let's just say, for the example of today, the illustration, that there is an ox, strong like Chris, He's dedicated, responsible. You can depend on him. He works hard. And then he's yoked with a donkey like Daniel. You cannot rely on him. He's just dead weight. He's, you got to pick. And so if they are going to plow together, what's going to happen is they keep working, they keep working. Sooner or later, this donkey, useless, is going to start weighing down the strong ox, even if that ox is really strong. So, when it says you are not to be yoked with unbelievers, it has nothing to do with, oh, I can't talk to my neighbor because he drinks. No, it's not that. That's not what Bible's saying. He's saying in the most intimate of relationships where you imitate each other, where you stay, you're fond with each other, you use the same lingo because you're so close. In those sort of intimate relationships, don't have donkeys. Do not have donkeys because they will start influencing and weighing you down. All right, thank you. What I love also is Paul writes this. He says with tears he writes this. He's brokenhearted. He's not just here to judge them. Did you, did you catch that? He says, I'm crying. I have tears for these people because they're living wayward as enemies of the cross. And so he's not just saying like, you know, this, yeah, forget them. They're going to hell, so it doesn't matter. His desire is that they would come to know God. 
but he knows at the same time that you got to be careful. I love what D.A. Carson says about this. You know, he says this. We must not become people who denounce, but do not weep. Neither may we become people who weep, but never denounce. Because too much is at stake both ways. And Paul, we find them there intimately together, which is he's willing to say, look, that's wrong. But I love you. I pray for you. I cry for your spiritual eternity. And that's how we ought to be. So for all of us, I just want us to be reminded that we need to have brothers and sisters around us. If you don't, man, it's just going to be tough. We need to have people in our lives who are maybe ahead of us in age and in spiritual wisdom and maturity that we can copy and follow after because they will influence you the right way. I still remember my first praise leader in college. He was at UCLA CCM. He was the dirtiest guy ever. I mean, just didn't shower. He, he was known for not brushing his teeth. I, this is not, no, no, no joke. But he loved the Lord like crazy. I mean, he would come and all he wants to do is just sing song. He would never shower. He, he would wear the same retreat t-shirts over and over. I think Sam might know who I'm talking about. But, and, but the thing is, is, he had a great influence in my life. Because at first, because I'm a I'm, I'm big high, I like hygiene. That's very important to me. So at first, I was very like, ooh, man. Bro, like, you gotta brush your teeth. Like, hey, that, that's not good. And, but then I started to realize it wasn't just so much that he just didn't want to brush his teeth, but it was just like, he's just like, look, I just love the Lord. That's my focus. And he greatly influenced me, like, in ways that I cannot even tell you. Well, even to this day, I, I just get reminded of, is it that important what I buy at the mall? What are we living for? Because if we're citizens of heaven, we are just passing through, and this is temporary. My last encouragement is Jesus did not die for us so that we can just play with the trinkets of this world, so that we can just toss around stuff in the temporary. Jesus died to give us access to the greatest relationship that we could ever have and to be given life eternal in places that we cannot even fathom of how good and rich it's going to be. So when I tell you to live for that, when the Bible and Paul tells you to live for that, it's not so much we hate this world or, oh man, it's not, no, it's just so much greater. Why would you just settle for this? But sometimes it's going to be hard to have that focus. So you need to have faithful brothers and sisters around Join a community group. Go to the ladies' prayer meetings. Share. Get in life. Have people next to you that are asking you difficult questions about sin, about where you are with the Lord. I want to talk to the men particularly because I feel like women do this a lot better than men, right? Like we don't like, you know, it's like we love talking about sports. We'll talk about Lakers till we're blue in the face and then someone says something spiritual, right? You know what I'm saying? They're like, oh, Lakers, they have second pick. What are you going to do? And it's like, hey, how are you doing? Good. <laughs> right? It's, it's like awkward. You, you don't know how to engage in that. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you're having a difficult time, you need to pray that God will soften your heart and allow you to be open and vulnerable with people because 
There's just too many influences around us that take us towards the earthly mindset. So we need to start introducing more and more and be yoked with believers that love the Lord, that care about eternal things. And if you know people in this room that have that, share that same passion, meet together, have coffee, talk, pray for each other, encourage one another. So that we will one day look like citizens of heaven because that is what we are. Amen? Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you that you have granted us access into a relationship, into a love relationship with you. And now, Lord, has changed everything. Lord, our destination is with you for eternity. And we want to live our lives to transform priorities, every avenue of our life, so that it would point to things that matter for eternity. This is not an easy cause, purpose, that we can just conjure up by ourselves. So we just thank you for the, the wisdom in Scripture through Paul and Philippians which reminds us that we need brothers and sisters around us that we can imitate to keep our eyes on, that will push us towards love and good deeds, that will push us to the cross, that will push us to the gospel, that will push us to things that are eternal. So I pray for every single person in this room that you would grant that for us, God, those sort of relationships. We just thank you so much. And in your name we pray. Amen. At this time, we're going to have a time of offering. So as the ushers come up, Let's keep that heart of work.